Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. And in light of today, a day in history, for a couple of reasons. Number one, 49 years ago, I was born. A little over 50 some years ago, our country decided to take prayer out of the schools. They decided to start walking away from the faith that our country was founded upon. Now, understand that this show is never about politics because I couldn't handle that. But this show is how we is all about how we can make an impact for Jesus Christ in our workplaces each and every day. But on this day, June 26th, 2015, the Supreme Court of the United States of America decided to say to God, you made a mistake. We're fixing it. And they decided today to say that same-sex marriage is legal in all 50 states of the United States of America. I believe they've made a mistake. But I'm not going to argue about that today, but this is going to fuel a conversation today about how important it is that the church in the United States of America wake up to the fact that we need to be doing ministry and loving people in every sector of our society. And we need to love them the way Jesus loved people, without judgment, but to look at them and say, the sin that you've got in your life, I'm not going to judge you because you sin differently than me. Jesus didn't judge people. He just called people away from their sin. And there's too much hypocrisy in the church today where we judge people on one sin, but we you know, ignore another. 
You know, we constantly point to many different issues, but we ignore the glaring issues in our society today that are happening in our own churches that are plagued by adultery and divorce and pornography addiction. I'm not qualified to put out a real statement on what the Supreme Court of the United States said today. And so I am going to I'm bringing on Dr. Russell Moore, who's got a recorded statement online on his website, the ERLC dot com, which is the Ethics and Religious Christian, excuse me, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. He's got a great minute and 53 second summary of what happened today. This is not a day of panic. Or a day of mourning for the United States of America. It's it really probably a little bit of mourning, but it's more a wake-up call. That our workplaces, they are the place where we need to be Jesus to everyone we work with. And so let me just bring on this statement by Dr. Russell Moore. Hello, I'm Russell Moore, standing here in front of the United States Supreme Court. And as most of you know by now, the court handed down a ruling that essentially redefines what marriage is in American culture and in American life. This is not the time for Christians to panic. We have a God who is sovereign. The Supreme Court can do many things, but the Supreme Court cannot get Jesus Christ back into the grave. And so we ought to be the people of joyful confidence. We also ought to be the people who recognize and know that uh, although some things have not changed, many things have changed. We need to be the people who know how to articulate a Christian vision of marriage and sexuality that will be increasingly countercultural from this point on. People in our neighborhoods, many of them not only will not agree with us on the definition of marriage as the union of one man and one woman representing Christ in the church, they, they won't even understand it in many cases. We need to know how to explain what we believe and why we believe it. And then we need to embody that Christian vision of marriage and sexuality in churches that are holy and churches that are on mission. The other thing that we need to remember is there are many people outside the court today who are exuberant because they believe that what the court has done today is to give them something that will fulfill them and make them happy. I think just as the woman at the well that Jesus encountered in Samaria, it won't do that. Our churches need to be the places who can receive the refugees from the sexual revolution, those who have been hurt and harmed by it. We can't do that if we give up the gospel. Can't do that if we give up what the Bible teaches about marriage and sexuality. And we can't do that if we're angry at our neighbors and screaming at them rather than loving them and speaking to them about the gospel that has saved us. And so let's stand firm in the gospel. There are resources available for you at ERLC.com for your church as we move forward. I couldn't have said it any better than that. And I love and I want to echo what he's saying. We can't win anybody to Christ. We can't share the gospel of Christ if we're arguing and yelling with people. We need to love people. Jesus loved people right where they're at. He didn't ask them to step away from their sin and say, I'll love you if you get out of your sin life. He didn't do that. He loved people right where they're at. And because of his love, it transformed their lives. And that's what we talk about here in the I Work For Him program each and every day. On I Work For Him, we talk about purposefully equipping ourselves to be vibrantly effective people in our workplace. And so today, long before today's ruling by the Supreme Court of the United States, I had set up a meeting today. I've, I've got a guest in the show today, on the show today, Eric Most with Most Insurance, found online, of course, at mostins.com. We're going to talk about living business people living with gospel intentionality in the workplace. And today, in light of the Supreme Court decision, this is so much more important because I am going to tell you that 
in, in, in the church of the United States of America, there's going to be a great culling of people who say it's just going to become too hard to be a Christ follower. It's going to be too hard to be a Christian, not a Christ follower, but a Christian. A lot of people call themselves Christians. And we need to, people aren't going to come to church because they're going to think that we're narrow-minded. And well, we are narrow-minded. Jesus was narrow-minded. But we've got to do the ministry in the workplace. And so Eric and I wanted to have a conversation just focusing all about gospel intentionality in the workplace. And so I've taken some of Eric's time away, but nobody expected this ruling to come. And, and honestly, I hope that this is a day that transforms our country and and to a country that seeks the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the desperateness of our society as it downgrades, just like the Roman Empire fell into crumbles, just like the Greek Empire fell into crumbles, just like the Medes and the Persian Empire fell into crumbles, just like the Babylonian Empire fell into crumbles, all because they, they just turned their faces against God and ran the other direction. Our country is no different. Wow. That's a tough way to enter to, to start some, but let, let's just let's just read this verse from First uh, Peter three fifteen, Eric. As we get started, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, and that's what this is all about. It's about hope, Eric. Eric Most, welcome to the I Work for Him program. Hey, thank you so much. Glad to be here on uh, your birthday. On my birthday, that's right. I am I am forty nine. So this is the uh, this is my last year of the forties. I'm going to be a half a century old one year from today, and I plan on being somewhere in some far distant country on my birthday next year so nobody can throw me a party uh, that's my goal all right so on really mission, it, right was that on mission right well that'd be a great idea how cool would that be absolutely i'd like that but which country would i go to i got missionaries all over the place but i like that idea martha if you're listening we gotta pay attention to what eric is saying here i, I really it's so it's a desperate need for us to bring hope to a lost world we live in a world where people reach and grasp for anything because they think it's going to bring them satisfaction and yet we have the answer we as Christ followers know the answer we go to work each and every day we're surrounded by people who live hopeless lives because they don't know Jesus and yet we don't know how to share it. We don't know how to live with gospel intentionality. That is such a big couple of words. But we're talking about intentionally giving yourselves an opportunity to be a gospel witness in your workplace each and every day. Absolutely. And, and we talk about that, and I work for him all the time, but it is now super duper critical yeah. because people aren't going to go to churches anymore because you're going to go, oh, you go to one of those churches. Well, you don't, I mean, it. We've got to break. We got to break those walls down. We got to do it somewhere different. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as you point out, every day um, uh, our workplace is 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 a, is a perfect um, missions field for us. Um, it is the uh, it's a place that we often forget about as being a place of mission. We think about doing missions uh, overseas. But if we think about the Great Commission, the Great Commission isn't uh, – it's so often uh, written out, go, therefore, and make disciples. But better translated is, as you are going, make disciples. As you're going about the way of life, make disciples. It is not a, I have to go and do it. And frankly, if the only time you go and share Christ is when you go on a missions trip to another country, I, I frankly don't think you should be going on that missions trip. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. Although, although it does, it does, when I think it should, I think every 
Christ follower needs to get to the third world because they need to get they need to have that paradigm shift in their mind. Well, they have to be exposed. Are, short-term missions are more about the individual who goes than the people I, that they're going I, to I, see. I totally agree. My dad just went got back from Cuba uh, two weeks ago from his first mission trip, and uh, it was life changing uh, for him. Uh, different from the salvation life changing event that happened for him, but uh, truly uh, truly life changing. So yes, going on short-term missions is is a, is a great thing. Well, you know, I think part of the issue for Christ followers, for, for Christ followers in a workplace, really for Christ followers around the world, is that we, I don't know about around the world, in this country, we tend to judge people who are sinners. We, we were sinners once. We, Christ saved us from where we were, and yet, then we tend to be judgmental. And, and you know, we, we judge people because they're addicted to substances or addicted to images or they're they're, they're a because they've got all these sin issues and we judge them because they sin differently than us. Mm-hmm. And that's what's got to stop. I mean, today the focus is on homosexuality. Mm-hmm. But what about abortion? Mm-hmm. What about but but and there are so many people that live hopeless lives because they've been impacted by abortion. 57 million children have been killed by abortion mm-hmm. since 1973. Mm-hmm. Think of all the women that has impacted mm-hmm. yeah. for 50, you know, almost and for men. 40 years, women and men. Excuse me. Women and men, you're very, very right. And then the the damage from all this different sin, the sin issues. It doesn't matter what your sin issue is; it all separates us from God. And we bring the hope to the workplace each and every day. Absolutely. And, and a lot of times we sh- we keep that hope to ourselves. We 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 hide it under the bushel, don't we? No, we're not supposed to. No, I don't know the bushel. No, that's right. That's the song. We're gonna let our light shine. That's right. Let it shine. Let it shine. And I'll leave the table connected uh, to the floor. All right. Okay. All right. all right. So you wanted to talk about living with gospel intentionality in the workplace today. Mm-hmm. Business leaders doing that. Why is that so passionate on your heart? And, and you love that word. You love the, the two words, gospel intentionality. Uh, I do. We, we should all live gospel intentionality, not just in the workplace, but in all of our life, but absolutely in the workplace. As business owners, we should live with gospel intentionality. As uh, employees and, and team members of businesses, we should live with gospel intentionality as well. It is that living out the Great Commission, as you are going, make disciples. Um, it is easy for us uh, as Christians to uh, to hide under uh, you know hide our light under the bushel and we not talk about the hope that we have in Christ and that's that's not right Christ has called us to be bold uh, he's t- he's called us to take up our cross and follow him uh, he's 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 told us to uh, let's not be ashamed of the gospel because we we know it's the power of God to change lives. Uh, Romans one sixteen, and so we shouldn't, but often we do, and and I believe that it like all discipline, uh, uh, working out, uh, dieting, it takes it takes discipline to live with gospel intentionality. Uh, most people will not just show up and all of a sudden, without being intentional about it, live out the gospel in their workplace in their life. Well, and a lot of people don't reckon, don't realize the impact that they can make. You know, let's just go back to that song. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Mm. And, and people don't recognize, you know, our pastor does such a great thing on Christmas Eve services. He blacks out the lights in our 3,000 person sanctuary and there's no light. Hmm. And then he lights one candle hmm. and it starts to light the building. That little light of him and it's going to light a 30,000 square foot room. Sure. One little light. We can make an impact with the light that's in us. But then it goes on, hide it under a bushel. No! You know, I'm going to let it shine. We've got to make that choice. It's that choice to let it shine, yeah. which means we have to be vulnerable, yes. which means that 
because we are under a microscope in our workplaces, we when we make mistakes, we may have to ask forgiveness and apologize, even when other people don't do the same thing. Did I take one of your numbers? There's one. Of ah, ask okay. for forgiveness when needed. That's right. We're, we, we've got a list of 25 things you can do to live with gospel intentionality in your workplace. And I told Eric, I want you to pick five. I'm going to pick five. I didn't mean to take one of yours. I added more. Oh, you added. Oh, and you added more. Well, there's there's probably a billion more. I mean, theology of work took the entire scriptures and divided up into eight volumes. All the different applications of your workplace to your mission, your workplace as a mission field as it relates to the scriptures. So, but that's. I mean, it's hard to live as a Christ follower consistently. It's hard because it's humbling. Hmm. But Jesus said we were going to be persecuted. We were going to be punished. We were going to be beaten and we were going to be humiliated. And we are. I mean, Jesus said, hey, it happened to me. It's going to happen to you. Without a doubt. All right. So let's just beat down that list a little bit because people, we just want to give people ideas on how can I make an impact in my workplace? How can you live intentionally being prepared to share the gospel? In other words, what Paul or excuse me, what Peter said in first Peter three fifteen, in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord as holy and always I added the end. Sorry. Always being prepared to make a defense. I know this is a translation, so I'm not sure the end really mattered. But always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. I, I was texting with a guy today who mentioned to me his business was um, was failing. And, and he's not a Christ follower. And he goes, Jim, I, I don't believe that Jesus and God exist. No, no way. Why would he let my business fail? I was always trying to do the right thing for my customers. And I'm like, wow. That, that guy's getting to the end of the rope. That's an opportunity to be a light. And, and the fact that most of the time it takes till we get to the end of our rope before people are even willing to hear the message of hope that we've gotten from Christ. Because both you and I have been rescued from a life of sin and a, a lifetime eternity uh, of a separation from God. And we've, we've been given that gift. Yeah. You know, um, uh, one thing I was going to tell you earlier or throw in, there's a there's a, a pastor named Thibidi on Abuela and <laughs> awesome guy. Uh, go check that one out. Uh, use Siri to, to pull him up. But Thibidi on Abuela, he said, remember, when we call people to repentance, we're calling them to joy. And I think often as we as we talk about um engaging our coworkers, engaging our neighbors with Christ, sometimes we feel like it, it might be impeding upon them to tell them about no. Christ. They're going to they're they're experience, experience freedom. Yes. Freedom! That's right. That's what it's all about. Today, Eric Most and I are talking about living with gospel intentionality in your workplace. That's right. The Eric Most with Most Insurance. Found online at mostins.com. One of our show sponsors, he goes, Jim, I don't want to talk about the business today. I want to talk about living with gospel intentionality. It's his favorite two words, gospel intentionality in the workplace. So we're talking today about how you can make sure that everything you do in the, uh, in the office each and every day, whatever your office looks like, whether it's your home, the field, uh, a road somewhere, or actually an office, you've got an opportunity to share the hope that is within you. And what Eric said right before the break is that when, when, when God calls somebody to repentance, and he may use us to do that, he's calling them to joy. Because people whose lives are mired in sin, they don't experience joy. They may experience happiness for a time because sin brings uh, allows happiness for a time but it, it draws you in and sucks you in and eventually as you know if you're a Christ follower you know it eventually brings you to the end of your rope and you've got to make a choice am I going to end my life or am I going to reach out and grab God's rope that he's been holding out there all along but before we get back to that conversation 
Before we get back to that conversation, it's time for our book highlight segment. And nobody likes books more than my buddy, Eric Most. So, Eric, this book highlight segment is brought to you by Karis Christian Books. I guess, were you aware of that? I was. The book today is The Inspired Leader by Richard Blackaby. Best-selling author and speaker Richard Blackaby offers readers in the workplace a way to replenish their faith. If you were to ask me where I see God at work today, writes Blackaby, I would tell you in the marketplace. This observation has birthed his newest book. That's probably not the newest anymore, but that's what this write-up was that I got off the internet. The Inspired Leader, 101 Biblical Reflections for Becoming a Person of Influence, is a compilation of 101 short stories and reflections written by Blackaby and numerous Christian CEOs who work for $100 million companies. Compelling, challenging, and amazingly applicable, The Inspired Leader offers a spiritual oasis for business and church leaders alike. We all need to be inspired by other people's faith. That's how our faith grows. We see people's faith in action, and it inspires us to step out. So you need to get a copy of this book, and I've only got one copy to give away. Call into the studio line, 855-265-2929. The Inspired Leader by Richard Blackaby. Remember, you need to read this book. Hollywood is definitely not going to make this movie. All right, we're back live and in studio with Eric Most with Most Insurance. Found online at mostins.com. I can't even say it without saying those three things together, Eric. We're talking today about gospel intentionality in the workplace. And let's just, we've got a list. We're, we're picking out of a list of, you said you've got more than 25. I found a list of 25 great ideas for how we can live intentionally with the, trying to inspire opportunities to have an opportunity to share the hope that is within us, which is Jesus. What's your top one? Ooh, top one. I'm going to take one of yours. I'm, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Well, I suppose it's fair. I put you up first. Oh, we're running out of time. Offer right, to Ivan. pray for somebody on the spot okay, who tells right. you that they're going through a difficult time. Don't just cop out and say, I, oh, I I'll talked pray over for you. you. Start, start over again. I talked over you. Okay. Offer to pray on the spot for somebody who tells you they're going through a difficult time and pray the gospel over them. Okay, but it is my birthday today, but I'm celebrating with my very good friend, Eric Most, who another friend of mine introduced me to almost four, what was it, it was 2000 and, it was beginning of 2011, so four and a half years ago we met at a, at a big thing, and what was that? Was that, uh, it was Impact Tampa Bay. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Life Work Leadership. Life Work Leadership, excuse me, Life Work Leadership, absolutely. So I got Eric Most in studio with me today from Most Insurance, found online at mostins.com. Hey, I'd like to thank Mac calling in from Seminole, winning the book, The Inspired Leader, from Richard Blackaby. Mac, thanks for listening to the I Work For Him program. Eric, you said that the number one thing that you chose of a way to live with gospel intentionality in the workplace is to pray with people. Mm-hmm. But that takes an observation technique mm-hmm. because we need to we need to recognize we, we need to be praying for people all along yeah. so that we can be intuitive enough to recognize on days that they're going to be open to us saying, hey, what's going on? Your countenance seems a little down today. Is there something I could be praying about for you? And then they tell you and they say, hey, would you mind? If, could we pray about it right now? Yeah. Would that be OK? You ask permission. And I have I don't I've never been turned down. Uh-huh. And then after you pray with people, the greatest thing ever is they go. Thank you. Actually, today I just had a lunch meeting, uh, and my uh, our, our waiter came over uh, that we know him well, um, and he came over. You right eat at a place where the waiter knows you well. Yeah. What? Where's that? Uh, Palmasia. Okay. Country Club. We were having a business meeting. He walked over and and uh, right as I was about to pray, I said, "Hey, can we pray?" And then he came in. I said, "Well, and we'll pray for you, Jose." And uh, and and he kind of laughed. I said, "No, really." And we did. And and then literally after I got up to go wash my hands a little bit later, came back. He stopped and he said, "Thank you, thank you for praying for me." 
He was grateful, and I think it continues to open a door for me to minister to him. And so uh, even those little things, those little times, you never know how uh, you know innocuous it might seem. Um, but be faithful. Be, be open. I've got a friend of mine. We eat at Applebee's every other week out down there, and I guess that would be Seminole. And there's two waiters there. And... Uh, um, I'm going to forget one of their names. Kim is one. Anyway, we're, Kim was talking to us about how she really goes, how can I find a man that will really treat me right? How, how can I? And, I? and I said, I got a great book to give you. The, the uh, uh, what is it? The something, it's by Andy Stanley, the new book on love, sex, and dating. And it's just a great book where it introduces people to a lifestyle that's so foreign to them, but it's Christ-centered. And it was fantastic. Hmm. And, and, and I gave it to her, and she goes, one of her friends says, well, she took it from me right away, but I haven't got it back yet, because my friend wanted to read it right away. And, but that was because we started telling, telling her that we were praying, we, we, we're going we're gonna to pray for you. How yeah. can we pray for you? How yeah. specifically? Just what a great opportunity. Well, that's right there, a great definition of what I mean by g- living with gospel intentionality, though, right? So you frequent locations, you, re- you frequent a lunch place to be able to build relationships with individuals. You go to the same barber. Jim, you go to the same barber week in and week out, month in and month out. <laughs> I don't out. go to a barber. I have no hair. All right, so if you have hair, go to the same one and be intentional to develop that relationship. Same thing in business. Be intentional with what you do and how you do it. That's what I mean when I talk about living with gospel intentionality. Okay, okay but that was your, your top yeah. one was praying. Now, okay. now you're taking my top one, right. which is Ow. instead of eating lunch alone, huh? I, I once had a friend in business saying, hey, if you want to be a successful business person, never eat lunch alone. His name was Lars. He said, never eat lunch alone well let's just take this little twist never eat lunch alone always eat it with somebody that you work with so that you get to know their story so you've got an opportunity to share your story with them because you need to know you need to connect intimately with people to get the opportunity to share how christ has transformed your life Never eat alone, work, uh, but be above reproach, too. So be be mindful of, of compromising situations. Oh, yeah. That you're I'm not in. saying, so, I'm saying, yeah, okay, good point. I'm not saying, guys, go ahead and eat out with women in your office. If you're going to eat out with, if you're going to have lunch with some women, eat out, have some lunch with some women in the office. Don't yeah, don't go, good point. Thank you for saying that. Good clarification point. I reckon, you know, I'm telling, if you are a man, you should only go out to lunch individually with men. Yes. It avoids all kinds of compromising situations. Situations. More Christians get caught up in affairs from workplace relationships. Avoid that at all costs. Yes. It's a first way to just destroy your marriage. So I'm saying just, but living, work in a lunchroom. I, when I owned my insurance agency in, in southwestern Minnesota, we, the only people that ate lunch were the lady service people in the insurance agency and the bank that I was a partner with. And I, I sat down, they were just watching um, all my children. So that created all kinds of incredible conversations. Uh, and I actually started to get to know some of the actual actors' names. Uh, but it, it created fantastic conversation in the lunchroom. And I was eating with five or six of them. And never, never did any of the guys in the bank ever come down and eat lunch there. But I did every day. Mm-hmm. And it gave me a lot of opportunities to share what Christ was doing in our lives. Yeah. And, and, and that would go well with, with, with what another one of mine is. And that's be open with what you did over the weekend. So often people say, oh, what would you do this weekend? And as believers, I, I see it time and time again. We shirk the, the we, 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 we miss the opportunity to say, man, I gathered with our church and this is what we studied. And this is how I was encouraged. This is, you know, and it, it, people, if you leave like little lines, people are going to, they're going to ask, oh, well, tell me more about that. It's amazing. It's a beautiful door for us to share the gospel. But you have to actually be intentional about being ready to be intentional with yes. that one to share that because you got to think, okay, what am I going to say? Because uh, Pastor Jeff... <laughs> 
preach for 45 minutes. I need to be able to do that in 15 seconds. So, hey, our pastor talked this weekend, we went, went to church, and he talked about how Daniel, the prophet, was persecuted in his workplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great entry. How? How did, what, what happened? What was the takeaway, Jim? Well, you heard about Daniel in the lion's den. The, the, the dude got thrown for standing up for something he believed in. He got thrown in to get eaten by lions. And he was in his 80s when that happened. That's not good. Yeah, no. Well, and it was uh, well, he, a couple of our, our um, longtime sayings came from, came from Daniel. And I, now I'm going to forget. I wrote them down in my notes. But things where we say, uh, get a leg up. No, what was the, uh, I can't, I can't think of it. But a couple of our common sayings today come from the story of Daniel. Oh, writing on the wall. Because right. we're talking about the writing. Well, there's the writing on the wall. Well, that was from Daniel's story. We learned the history of where the saying came from. Well, there's the writing on the wall. Yep. That's it. Yeah, it was a good one. Okay, so what am I? So you 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 said so your top two were pray with people, and you were saying um, what was be, your second? Be open one? with what you did over the be weekend. Be open with what you did over the weekend. And my top one was eat, don't eat lunch alone because that's because you stole my pray one. Uh, don't eat lunch alone. Eat intentionally with your coworkers to get to know them. So my second one is. Um, learn how to share the gospel briefly. If there was one thing that I struggled with, was. Always having to know, you know, I, I went to uh, Evangelism Explosion and they give you all these different steps. Uh, you got to learn how to share the gospel, something that's comfortable in you. Mm-hmm. And what I learned early on in my life, not early on, it was late on in my life, in my mid 30s, is that nobody can ever refute what Christ has done in my life. So I just share about what Christ has done for me and and be able to do that quickly. And it and just you leave the impact because it's it's you can't lead somebody to Christ. The Holy Spirit has to do that. But you can share and nobody can refute what Christ has done in your life. So that's what you need to share. Yeah. So I, I very similarly will use um, the story of how my wife and I just adopted our son Hudson from from China. And I use that as people people want to know what's going on in your life. So I talk about adoption, how to get his name, talk about the missionary impact of Hudson Taylor. But more importantly, I talk about how we, um, for those who are in Christ, have been adopted into the family of God. And so I'm able to talk about, uh, use use the, the theological term of adoption to to share Christ with others that typically wouldn't wouldn't be open for a, a quick conversation. No, and the, and the concept of being adopted into the family of God is a, uh, people don't think about it that way. No. But but we are we are so loved by our heavenly Father, yes. and, and He sees us as He knows we're lost. But He's got the solution to our lostness. Yeah. We just have to put our trust and faith in Him. Mm-hmm. And it they just you know people are going to watch it. The people that you work with, they're going to watch it. They're going to they're not so interested in your words. But if you say words, and all of a sudden they're on the radar, they're going to watch you. They're going to see it. Hey, is their life really any different? Then oh, well, is that one of yours? Well, no, I was going to say that that goes into like three like closing statements. I was going to say. Well, then you can't say closing, I was going to say. But go no, well. I was going to say it first. Don't speak over me. Why? I started talking, then you raised your finger like you wanted to say something. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Ask for forgiveness when needed. Ask forgiveness. Fantastic. Be humble. Okay. And then I already said this one, but be above reproach in all that you do. Those go hand in hand with what you just said. People watch what you say, what you do. Uh, do everything you do with excellence. When you don't, if it, we're all going to fumble. We're all going to mess up. Uh, ask for forgiveness. It's powerful. It, it is powerful. And, and it is something that people don't know. And, and to say, no, don't just say, well, I'm sorry. That's right. I was about to say that. Don't yeah. just say, don't sorry. say I'm sorry. Because, you know, you, people say, I'm sorry, and they don't know what it means anymore. No. Ask for forgiveness because that's, and, and don't demand it. Just say, I, I'd like to ask you to forgive me. I, I know you might not be able to do it right now, but I just ask you to forgive me. And I just want to remind you all, too, that's something that we need to do at home. Amen. 
We need to do it to our wives and to our husbands probably more than we ever do. And to our kids. And when we've sinned them. The kid thing. So, so I just I know we're talking work, but I just want to no, encourage no, no, but, you all. But, but the things that are going on at home impact the workplace, which is why every Tuesday Martha and I talk about marriage issues and family issues, because whatever's going on at home impacts your work. Just think about your adoption. Has that impacted your work the last couple of few months? <laughs> Instant dad. Yes. Instant dad with a kid who runs 90 miles an hour. Yes. Um, but that... Asking for forgiveness. One of the things I, I, I learned is that I wanted my kids to understand that my faith was real, and I wanted them to know that I wasn't above reproach, mm-hmm. and then when I screwed up, I admitted I was wrong, even if I had to humble myself to my children. Mm-hmm. That also reminded me to not make all the stupid mistakes that I made so that I didn't have to do that to my children, but I had to do it many, many times. Mm-hmm. I've had to do it many, many times, yeah. because I know they need to know I love them, I'm not above reproach, I report to the same Heavenly Father that they mm-hmm. do. You know, God doesn't have grandchildren, no. but I love that. Ask forgiveness, be humble, serve, serve everywhere you are, and, and then use that as an opportunity. People are going to watch. That's what I was going to say. People are watching you because they want to see, is your faith real? And is it really transformative? There you go. There's a word you'd yeah. like, but that's what I mean. Has it transformed your life? Because everybody in the scriptures that met Jesus, their lives were never the same again. Yeah. And, and that's the way we should look. So if your life isn't being transformed, each and every part of you, you might have some soul searching to do. Yeah, you because, might not know Christ. Because we, I mean, my life's never been the same. I didn't become instantly perfect. Oh yeah, I'm almost 50. I'm still not anywhere close to that. Uh, but but he's working on me. Restoring, restoring the process of sanctification. He's restoring piece by piece my life to where it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Had sin not into the world uh, through our great... Uh, you know, forefathers, Adam and Eve. That's right. Okay, so uh, here's one. And this is this is something. I, I always, in the I Work for Him Nation, call the pledge. I say, hey, serve people in your office. But it, a number 26 on our list, I didn't realize it was 26 on here. It says, lead the charge in, organ, in organizing others to help coworkers in need. You work with people that have time to time have big needs. Sometimes their kids get sick. Or there's a death in the family or something else horrible comes up. You know, lead the charge to raising money or helping out or doing chores around the house if somebody gets sick or in the hospital. But lead the charge and don't just do it with your mouth, put your wallet at the forefront of that, too. I liked um, uh, when you kind of put up a display, tastefully display scripture in your office, um, especially verses that you are memorizing. People will ask you about it. I have on my wall, as you walk into my office, 1 Corinthians 1031 done in like the big stencil, uh, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And I had a meeting yesterday with um, uh, with a, a lawyer who's in a networking group that I'm a part of, and I strategically place her seat right where she's staring at me the entire looking at the scripture. And she walked in. And it set a pace to that to the conversation, and it opens up doors. I also have copies of of books that uh, that I love. Uh, a book called "What Is the Gospel?" It's done by the Nine Mark uh, Nine Mark series. "What Is the Gospel?" by Greg Gilbert, and it really helps lay out uh, the gospel very clearly for people. I, I also have copies of "Don't Waste Your Life" by John Piper. I have other strategic books that I keep on staff uh, on my bookshelf that I give out. People like see ten copies of the same book, and they're like, "What's that?" I'm like, "Oh, here you should have a copy." The Reason for God by by Tim. Keller and uh, use those things to uh, to to open up conversations. I also have a, a large uh, painting on my wall that is uh, called the Gospel Rainbow and actually shows the interconnectedness oh, of the that Bible. one. That's incredible. That's an incredible yeah. picture. But but let's but the other thing is to have lots of extra copies of Bibles around. Yes, because the most powerful thing you can ever give somebody 
is a copy of the scriptures. God's word is most important. And, and what I always do, or if I find out somebody that's interested, I say, hey, let me get you. Would you just read the book of John? But I don't just give them the book of John because you can do that from the pocket testament leave. And sometimes I'll give them that. But I said, let me get you a Bible. Mm-hmm. And I'll get them a Bible and I put my business card in the book of John. I said, start here. Just read these next 21 chapters, whatever it is, 21 chapters. And and then let me know when you're done. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I want I want to know what you think. And, and it's that's a powerful thing. But you got to have you got to have that willingness. You know, it's not cheap to buy a good Bible today, but don't buy them a chintzy one that the pages get crumble and fall. Get them a nice thirty five, forty dollar Bible that explains stuff. And, and get it in a in language that they can understand. All right. Eric and I are talking today about living with gospel intentionality in the workplace. And we've gone through several of our favorite ways to do so. We've got just a few minutes left, Eric. What's your next favorite? And I lied. There's only four minutes left. Okay. Well, I, you're gonna get, I'm going to lie to you because I'm going to do a couple. Um, one, join a networking group. Uh, there's a lot of lost people. So uh, recently we joined a, a local BNI. I love BNI because you have a, a forced uh, encouraged one-on-one meetings. You get and held accountable. If you don't, they make fun of you. That's it. And so they, and they'll kick you out if you don't do a good job. So it's uh, it's a great place for you uh, to meet a lot of lost people. A lot of people are surrounded by Christians and they don't ever get out. So it's a great place. Uh, another one, really quick, and my last one is to is invite people to your church gatherings. It's important. You, you uh, People will get to know you and what's important in your life. And why would you not want to invite others? So simply just put out an invitation but when you do that make sure you're early and you greet them to be able to bring them in do not show up late and do not expect them to walk through the doors of any building that they don't know anybody make it as comfortable as possible and make sure you prep the friends that you've got there let them know that you're bringing somebody so that they will help that person feel welcome so so very important to lay up that groundwork my last one is if there's another christian in your office meet with them to pray and hold each other accountable for the task of bringing the gospel to the workplace. You know, I, we, we talked about the number one thing that we both said to do is pray for those coworkers and employees in your office. I recommend you get there early and you pray for those people by name, maybe by walking by their cubicle or whatever. But, you know, I had a, a business executive, Mark Dillon, from, uh, a retired executive from Tampa Bay Steel, and he used to pray before the, the day, every day, uh, uh, for each one of his people at their cubicles before they got there in the morning hmm. and each one of their workstations. And, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit just working. We, we've got to be intentional about that. Eric, let's just finish up with talking about why we're doing this. Why is it so important we live with gospel intentionality in our workplaces as business people? Uh, well, as you point out in your uh, the start of your show, there are there are three million people in the Tampa Bay area who will not hear Christ, even if every church building is filled. And the best place for them to hear, um, ultimately, maybe the only place they were going to hear, is if you will be intentional with the gospel. If you will um, uh, trust in the work of the Holy Spirit, you pray to Him, ask Him to to give you the words to speak, and you be bold and share Christ with them. Otherwise. Otherwise, they if they've not heard the gospel, they've not believed in Christ, they will die and they will spend eternity in hell. Separated from their Heavenly Father. just It's devastating. Why? There's no reason for it. Now, it, it is, you know, I, I'm going to take just even a simpler approach. Here's, here's why. Because the people that you work with, the job that you hold, it's not by chance. The people that you work with, they need to meet the real Jesus and you may be their only chance. Yeah. You know, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is simple. It brings hope to the world in a world that is full of hopelessness, and we need to share it. There's an answer to their sin problem. There's an answer to their emptiness problem. There's an answer to the, the depths of the sorrow that's within their lives. And it's a relationship with their Heavenly Father made possible what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah. You know, and, and that provision for our sin 
changes lives. It, as you said, it, it, it doesn't draw people away from a life that they just think is awesome. It draws people into a life that is awesome. Yeah, no doubt. So, uh, you know, any final words? You got 30 seconds. I have 30 seconds. Which so. I know is impossible for Eric Mose, but any final words? Uh, it would be my prayer and my encouragement to you to be bold to stand firm in the gospel, to not waver, especially in these times of, of, of persecution that will be con- coming even more than we see now. Stand firm in the gospel. Love well. Be open to, to share the gospel. Be intentional. Love. Lead with love. Lead with relationship. Love these people. Don't, don't expect your non-Christ-following friends to live a life that makes you comfortable. Yeah. They don't. They, they don't because that's not who they are. And we've got to stop judging people because they sin differently than you. You know, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, Eric, I think it's hilarious how I'm calling people to join the I Work For Him nation. Go out to our website, click on contact us and say, this is a commitment I want to make. And we named a lot of those things today. I'm looking for a thousand people in Tampa Bay to step up and make this commitment. And we're about... Five one-hundredths of a percentage point there. You know, we've got five people that have made this commitment. That's it. Five people. That's it have been willing to say, this is what I'm willing to do. I'm going to start praying for my coworkers and employees every day by name. I'm going to look for ways to befriend them outside of the workplace. I'm going to look for ways to serve them in the workplace and outside of the workplace. And I'm going to be ready to pray with them when the opportunity happens in the workplace. But all along, being the best and brightest example of a person in their position in the workplace, demonstrating excellence in everything that they do. That's what I'm looking for. A thousand people willing to make that commitment. Why aren't people going to iWorkForHim.com and, and, and clicking on contact us and saying, I'm willing to make that commitment? Because it takes a big step. I'm asking you to commit before I work for him, your creator in Tampa Bay that says, I want to make a difference for Jesus Christ in my workplace. That's what we're calling you to do. And while you're on that website, look for huge news on I work for him and huge things that are going to happen on July the 20th with I work for him. Click on the banner at the top of the page or go on to our website, our, our I, I work for him Facebook page and learn more about what's going on with I work for him on July the 20th. You're listening to the I work for him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately I work for him.